Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. You are not seeing Dr. Paul. He is out today, so you're seeing me. I'm glad you're coming to watch the show, and I hope I can provide something of interest to you today. Today I'm going to do something a little bit different in that I am not going to go over a few different topics. I'm going to focus on one topic, and in fact, essentially one article, which I think is extremely important. It came out in the New York Times yesterday, and of course the New York Times being one of the two main regime uh, publications, the other being the Washington Post, you have to read it like they read Pravda in the old days, which is what is the regime trying to tell us, what message is it trying to convey, rather than what truths are these journalists reporting. So we always have to sort of keep that in our minds as we're reading. But nevertheless, uh, I use the word blockbuster a lot. I would call this a blockbuster story in that it reveals an enormous amount about the U.S. involvement in Ukraine from 2014 and before, which is important. And it really puts an end or should put an end to a few different ideas. The first one being uh, that the Russian invasion about two years ago this past week was completely and totally unprovoked. And I'll provide a couple of points, I think, that backs that up. But first, let's have a look at the headline of the article. This came out on uh, yesterday in the New York Times, The Spy War, How the CIA Secretly Helps Ukraine Fight Putin. Now, from the cover, you wouldn't imagine it being that awfully uh, important or containing a lot of background information. It just sounds like uh, something that's happened recently. But I want to turn a little bit to someone that I respect, Ivan Kachanovsky, who is a professor of political science at Ottawa University. Uh, very smart guy, was at Harvard and other places. Uh, an expert on the Maidan coup of 2014. I think, in fact, he's written a book or a dissertation on it. Um, but nevertheless, here's, here's some of his reading of the article. Uh, now, he says, there's more, more confirmations of the proxy war and, US, and Ukraine as a U.S. client state since the Western-backed overthrow of Ukrainian government 10 years ago. Here's a quote from the article. The CIA and, um, and other American intelligence agencies provide intelligence for targeted missile attacks, track Russian troop movements, and help support spy networks. A secret nerve center of Ukraine's military is almost fully financed and partly equipped by the CIA. Quote, 110% General Sergei Dvoretsky, a top intelligence commander, said in an interview at the base. So remember that when you're seeing this, uh, the CIA involvement in helping Ukraine fight Russia is not something that happened in 2022 when Russia went in. It wasn't an attempt to help a plucky democracy who had been invaded by a neighbor, as the narrative, promoted ironically by the New York Times itself, has said. But rather, this is a 10-year underground secret war that the CIA, in collusion with Ukrainians, have waged against Russia. So go ahead and go to the next one. This is uh, still uh, uh, Professor Ivanovsky. He says, the CIA's partnership with Ukraine can be traced back to two phone calls. Now, this actually is from the article. Two phone calls on the night of February 24th, eight years ago to the day before Russia's full-scale invasion, and it would be literally as the Maidan coup was taking place, as the consolidation of the coup was taking place, the U.S.-backed coup. Uh, and the scene said as millions of Ukrainians had just overrun the country's pro-Kremlin government, and the president, Viktor Yanukovych, and his spy chiefs had fled to Russia. 
in the tumult, a fragile pro-Western government quickly took power. That's the New York Times wording. Fragile, I don't know, backed by the U.S. So here's the point that the New York Times article is making. The government's new spy chief, Valentin Navalchenko, arrived at the headquarters of the domestic spy agency and found a pile of smoldering, docu smoldering documents in the courtyard. Inside, many of the computers had been wiped or were infected with Russian malware. He went to an office and called the CIA station chief and the local head of MI6. It was near midnight, but he summoned them to the building and asked for help to rebuild the agency from the ground up and proposed a three-way partnership. That's how it started, Mr. Navalchenko said. So this brings us back to literally the end of the coup. The coup government sent in someone to run their intel services. His first two phone calls were to CIA and MI6 back in 2014 and said, hey, can you come over here? Can you come help us rebuild the intelligence service? Now, anyone that understands even a little bit about how this works, this means that it brought the entirety of the Ukrainian intelligence services within the fold of the CIA. Essentially, the entirety, the SBU and the rest of the uh, secret services of Ukraine became subcontractors for the, U for the CIA. They essentially took over the entire operation. Now, here's something that's even more interesting. Uh, if you put this next one on, this is back to a professor from Ottawa. Um, this is a quote from, the, uh, from an article. During a previous stint as a spy chief, Mr. Nalvaychenko started a similar partnership with the CIA, which this was dissolved when the country swung back toward Russia. Now, this is an important point that may be lost on some people because this takes us back even further than 2014 because that previous stint at spy chief would have been under Yushchenko, who, as you may remember, was put into power after the Orange Revolution in 2004, so, uh, replacing Yanukovych, who had been elected. So <laughs> I know it's getting confusing, but Yanukovych was elected uh, president in the early 2000s Ukraine. Uh, he was re-elected in 2004. The U.S. said this was a fake election. They helped a previous color revolution, the Orange Revolution, take over. They installed Yushchenko in power. And the spy chief under Yushchenko, he immediately started a partnership with the CIA. So this has been a CIA operation well before uh, the 10 years ago after the Maidan. It had happened a lot uh, further than that. Now, so some of the other things, let's go to the next one because... Uh, the uh, New York Times article also talks about a network of 12 secret bases that had been built along the Russian border. The CIA built 12 secret bases along the Russian border. The work began eight years ago. These intelligence bases from which Russian commanders' communications can be swept up and Russian spy satellites monitored are being used to launch and track cross-border drone and missile attacks on Russian territory. So the CIA has bases on the border of Russia from which it is coordinating the launch of drone and missile attacks inside of Russia. This is what's happened. Now remember what happened when in the US when we thought there was a Chinese balloon spying on us from the air. Um, of course, America was in a panic. Um, uh, the president was ready to go to war with China, of course. Uh, and so imagine that compared to the fact that we now know that there were actually at least 12 CIA bases and still are.
that are coordinating the attacks inside Russia. So go to the, go to the next one now because um, this is important, I think. Uh, and this is from the Zero Hedge article. This means that with the disclosure of the long-time closely guarded secret, the world just got a big step closer to World War III. Given it means the CIA is largely responsible for the effectiveness of the recent spate of attacks, which have included direct drone hits on key oil refineries and key infrastructure. So that tells you, can you imagine if the Chinese were operating on our border with Mexico, destroying uh, our petrochemical industry here in the United States, what would be the reaction? Again, uh, referring back to the Chinese balloon we were ready to go to war over. So what else about this that's important? Um, the, uh, put on the next one now. This is still from the Hedges, Zero Hedges write-up of it. Um, so this is something that's quite interesting and I think uh, should bear, and this goes back to what I said in the beginning, which is, why are they telling us now? Why are they telling us this now? What do they want us to be thinking about this revelation? Um, and this is uh, from, uh, from the Hedge write-up, a main source of the New York Times revelations, disclosures which might come as no surprise to those never willing to so easily swallow the mainstream official narrative, i.e. Ron Paul Liberty Report viewers, I would add to that, is identified as a top intelligence commander named General Sergei Dvoretsky. Okay, so here's the, here's the source. This is not an anonymous leak, and I think that's important to remember, because uh, usually it is. An anonymous administration source has told us, no, this is the guy. He's a top commander. He says, this is what's going on. And so Hedge correctly uh, interprets it, saying, clearly Kiev and Washington now want the world to know of the deep intelligence relationship they tried to conceal over the past decade. For sure, Russia knew about it, of course, but certainly concealed from the American people. After all, uh, we're just, uh, uh, keep that up if you can. After all, we're just paying for it um, in more ways than one, hopefully not. But, uh, so it's perhaps a kind of warning to Moscow at a moment Ukraine's forces are in retreat. The U.S. is fighting hand in glove with the Ukrainians and yet the revelations contained in the New York Times report also confirm what President Putin has been precisely accused, accusing Washington of all, of all along. So I would say, um, yes, now they're in a corner, Ukraine's in a corner, and everyone knows. They just have to even look at the mainstream media, um, uh, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, Economist, uh, other publications have just over this past week talking about Ukraine can't win. Is Ukraine losing? So why does it come out now? Well, it comes out. I think for this purpose, and the hedge is speculating that this might be to let the Russians know that, yeah, we're there, we're fighting there, what are you going to do about it? So that might be a warning and a bluff. Of course, the whole thing may be fake and they may not be there, and the whole thing is a completely a bluff. But I think the point that we have to keep in mind uh, is that this is probably meant to deter Russia um, from what they are in the process of doing. We talked about it last week on the show that they took Avdiivka, uh, they're advancing on all the fronts. Uh, the Ukrainians have run out of weapons, they've run out of bullets, they've run out of men. They've got guys in their 90s fighting, they've got mentally handicapped people fighting, they've got pregnant women fighting, there's no one left to fight. Yet, of course, the neocons in the U.S. say, come on, keep going, keep going, keep fighting. Well, there's no one left. So this might be a kind of a desperation move to say, hey, we're there, you know, do you want to, do you want to party? Um, could be the case. Now, here's something else that was interesting in this. Um, if you put the next one up, I think this is still from Hedge. So, around 2016, 
the CIA began training an elite Ukrainian commando force known as Unit 2245, which captured Russian drones and communications gear so the CIA could reverse engineer them and crack Moscow's encryption systems. Now, this is interesting, and I highlighted this. One officer in the unit was Kirillo Budanov, now the general leading Ukraine's military intelligence. So let that sink in for a second. What that means is Budanov is essentially a CIA asset and has been since he was collaborating in 2016. He's an agent of the CIA who happens to be the head of the military intelligence in Ukraine. That shows how intertwined the U.S. government is, the Secret Services are, uh, in, the whole, in this whole game. Uh, now, this, now, going back to the beginning, you go to this next one now. This is from Hedge, I think, as well. So, remember, Putin has long blamed Western intelligence agencies for manipulating Kiev and sowing anti-Russian sentiment. The, 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 Putin has said for, for, for years and years, you're involved with this, the U.S. is involved in this, you're provoking this, and, of course, what was the reaction? of the U.S. mainstream media and the neocons uh, every time Putin opened his mouth. Oh, look, this guy's crazy. Uh, this guy's lying. He's, he's full of you-know-what. Even Biden said last week he's a crazy SOB. Well, it turns out he was telling the truth when he said all this in our own media that had been lying to us. New York Times lying to us for all these years now finally admits it, uh, what's happening. So I think this is an incredibly important revelation. Uh, that should be really deeply considered. I think any time you hear anyone else from the media now say unprovoked invasion, you should say, oh, really? Unprovoked. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, because I'm going to make it a short show today, is something that I think is extremely important about the article. And this is from the Hedge write-up. If you go to this next one, um, this is the, the, subtitle, the subhead is a stunning admission, tiptoeing around Trump. Because you see... They're talking about a 10-year program. That would take us from the Obama administration. And, of course, the point man for Ukraine in the Obama administration was a Joe Biden who still could think and talk. So remember that. He wasn't always like this. And he had as his sidekicks Victoria Nuland uh, and uh, Tony Blinken, among others. So that was the crew. That's the one that started it. But you had this weird four years where President Trump was in power, wasn't supposed to win, uh, there was a fear that he might ruin Project Ukraine for them. So what did they do? Well, put it back up. They tiptoed around Trump. The CIA, the U.S. intelligence community, tiptoed, i.e. defied their boss, the president. And here's what they write. Among the most interesting and curious moments of the New York Times report is a description of the CIA's program's expanse under the Trump administration. The report suggests that the true scope may have even been hidden from Trump. The Russian hawks in his administration quietly did the, quote, dirty work, we are told. Now go to the next one. The report emphasizes, but whatever Trump said and did, his administration often went in the other direction. And we talked about this on the Liberty Report over and over. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter, didn't seem to matter what Trump said. His administration did something different. They did what they wanted to do. Now, going back to the quote, this is because Trump had put Russia hawks in key positions, including Pompeo as CIA director and Bolton as national security advisor. Well, that was a boneheaded thing to do when we talked about it at the time. But this is what they did. They simply ignored their boss. And so here's a further quote. Uh, they visited Kiev to underline their full support for the secret partnership, which expanded to include more specialized training programs and the building of additional 
secret bases. So Trump is getting elected saying, what's wrong with getting along with Russia? Why do we need to provoke Russia? Why do we need a war with Russia? The entire time he's president, his own intelligence community is continuing in expanding a secret war with Russia. Now you could say it's Trump's fault because he should have got a handle on these people, and that's true. But remember what Schumer said, you know, you, they, they have seven ways from Sunday to get back at you if you tangle with the intelligence community, and that may be part of what's happening. But the other thing that's interesting, though, if you think about that first impeachment, what was Trump impeached for? He was impeached for literally going against the recommendations of the experts in the intelligence community. I think maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I think Trump knew the gig was up, he knew what was happening, and it was a last-ditch effort to prevent them from doing what they were doing by trying to cancel the assistance to Ukraine, that final assistance, which people like Vindman, a Ukrainian, someone who hates Trump, who was working inside the White House and spilled the beans, blew the whistle, basically made up a bunch of lies about Trump to get him impeached. Trump was trying to go against what the intelligence community was doing in Ukraine, i.e. provoking war with Russia. And for that, he ran up against the third rail. And the third rail is the deep state. And the deep state did his best to take him down. Now, this isn't praise for Trump because he did a lot of terrible and dumb things. However, it just shows, goes to show the extent to which they will go to make sure that U.S. foreign policy is completely aligned with what the deep state wants. And what the deep state wants is war, war, and more war. So keep that in mind. It's a very dangerous situation we're in now, and I think we're in the beginning of a very serious escalatory phase in Ukraine, now that the neocons are getting more and more desperate. So I will close by thanking all of you for watching the Liberty Report. We will both be back in the saddle again together very soon. Thank you for your patience while Dr. Paul is away. See you later.